It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This is Talk Radio. Across the UK, online, on DAB, and on your smart speaker. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. The storm clouds are gathering overhead, ladies and gentlemen, as we hurtle headlong towards another weekend and another month of 2021, possibly the most bizarre year in the history uh, of this country's history. Shall we take stock of exactly where we are? Number one, the NHS has admitted that a quarter of patients classified as COVID-infected are actually in hospital for other reasons and only tested positive after they got there. Great. Number two, the Foreign Secretary says workers should have had a vaccination before they returned to work, prompting a no-job, uh, no-jab policy for companies. Number three, the government has signed a deal with a COVID passport company amid accusations of bringing in vaccine passports by stealth. France has accused Britain of having excessive quarantine restrictions and discriminated against their country. Meanwhile, they're still letting thousands of migrants illegally travel from their shores to ours in dinghies. And in perhaps the most bizarre development of all, the Department for Transport has decided to change the highway code to make it even more confusing for people. Brilliant, isn't it? 0344 499 1000. Up first this morning is Richard Tice, businessman, leader of the Reform UK Party. We'll get his views on the latest madness because I tell you what, it really is crazy out there. Paul Charles also joins us with the news from the front line of the tourist business. And we've got Sean Bailey joining us as well with his view on a new parliamentary report that says the police have not done enough to stamp out racism. How surprising. 0344 499 We're also joined today by Claudia Liza, who's got a brand new show this weekend on Talk Radio. And because it's Friday, it's time for the Perrier Awards in the company of Yorkshire's finest, Izzy Rowland. You're listening to me, Mike Graham, on the fastest growing radio station on the planet. Now, of course, on television as well. This is Talk Radio. The independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. And amidst the doom and gloom of the uh, skies outside, it's time to say a very cheery good morning to Mr Richard Tice. Richard, how are you? Good morning. Well, I'm cheery too, despite good. the weather outside, Mike. Uh, and, and, and despite the madness, because it really is crazy today, the news. It's, it, it's quite extraordinary, isn't it? It's getting madder and madder. What sort of world do we live in? where all of a sudden the government, without any form of debate, and having spent months at the beginning of the year, various cabinet ministers of great repute, mm. like Michael Gove, uh, like Nadim Sahawi, saying we weren't going to have vaccine passports, actually, uh, not only are they going to be brought in, um, but we're selfish now, yes. apparently, if we, don't, uh, if we don't take the vaccine. I mean, I've been double-jabbed, um, but we're selfish, and they're looking to, in a sense... 
continue the persecution of the young. Yes. So and they're also even... telling you that despite the fact you have been double jabbed, that doesn't actually help you in any way whatsoever because you still can't go anywhere and you still can't do anything. Yeah, th- th- there's that as well. Um, but but I, I, I wonder what it is this government and the Conservative Party have against children and young people. Mm. The idea that if you want to go and dance in a nightclub, that you've got to have a vaccine passport. The idea that if you want to go to university mm. and, heaven forbid, attend a lecture. Yes. I mean, I know students quite often don't attend no. lectures. But if you want to attend to a lecture, then, then you've got to have a vaccine yeah. passport. Um, if you want to actually live in a halls of residence, I'm not sure whether they're going to have tents lined up on the pavement outside mm. or whatever. But if you want to be a student in a halls of residence, you've got to have the vaccination yeah. and a vaccine passport. And what do you think is this obsession of theirs now? Because it really is an obsession with people getting vaccinated. Well, it's it's actually what it is. It is blackmail and coercion through the back door by mm. making it effectively impossible to lead a normal, traditional life as a young person. Mm. Uh, unless you've also been vaccinated. Look, uh, we, we all know the vaccine is the way out of this crisis. Well, that's what they keep telling us. But we've all now been vaccinated, practically. I mean, nearly the whole country has been vaccinated in one way, shape or form. And yet we're still not able to go to France without coming back and quarantining. We're still not able to go to, to, to events without yep. showing some kind of pass or other. So, so what it shows us is that we have to learn, which I've been saying for months, you have to learn to live with this thing yes. in the same way that we live with flu, in the same way mm. that... Sadly, we live with, you know, uh, difficult diseases like cancer. All all manner of diseases that you can catch. You have to live with it. But, you know, once you start coercing people uh, to essentially uh, to take a medicine, uh, you know, then actually you're into a whole different place Mm. and where essentially the state becomes all powerful. Um, Whereas actually, you know, it is it is one's own body and one should have freedom of choice uh, to do with what you want to with your body, whether you're going to put an ear piercing in or whether, you know, it's it's your body. And I think this is, it's deeply discriminatory. Well, it is. And it's also a very slippery slope. I mean, Laura Dodds was in, Dodsworth was in here the other day saying exactly this, that this is a very, very important time in our history because if we let them do this, what are they going to do next? Well, it's, it's a very slippery slope. It's the thin end of a massive, mm. massive wedge. It's very divisive. And, and where does it stop? So you had a, uh, Julia earlier this morning had a, uh, um, a, a Labour MP talk yes. about well, you know, vaccine passports were there. Labour's against them, except for large gatherings. Well, he he didn't know what no, a large gathering he was. So that was that was pretty unhelpful. Yeah. Um, but is it is it um, is it going to the cinema with fifty other people? Uh, is it ten thousand people mm. in a sports stadium? Is it going into a restaurant that has more than ten tables? Yeah. It's, you, you know, you, you know where it's going. And then the other thing to remember, of course, is that no one actually knows how long the vaccines are going to be effective for. Mm. At what point do they actually become uh, a bit less effective? Yes. Do, do the effects wear off, in yeah. inverted commas? And, you know, I, I uh, had a conversation uh, last week with uh, with Nadim Sahawi, yeah. who started talking about the, uh, the, the booster programme yes. would start. And I hear that so, word quite a lot now. Yeah, so, again, there's been no debate or discussion mm. uh, about... Well, how long the vaccines last and who's going to get boosted? And you can see this. Mm. It's this thin end of the wedge that before we know it, they've just it's a bit like repainting the fourth bridge. Isn't yes. It? We vaccinated yeah, everybody. And guess what, folks? Back to the beginning. Yeah. And I always say, follow the money. Mm. And who makes the money here, Mike? Mm. If we're back to the beginning and we're having to reboost everybody who's previously been vaccinated, you know who makes the money? 
The it's, vaccine company. It's the vaccine company. Yeah. It's Big Pharma. Right. And and you retweeted a very interesting piece from the Mail today about a hundred million pound fine that's been given out uh, for drug pricing uh, sort of rules being broken. Yeah. So so uh, you know, look, we, we've got to be very careful about Big Pharma. And you know, I've been very critical about the government and quangos, but credit where credit is due. There's a government quango that most of your splendid listeners quite sensibly would never have heard of called the Competition and Markets Authority. Mm. They've actually been brilliant at spotting predatory drug pricing by some of the big pharma companies who were owned by some big private equity groups, including one called Sinven, which used to be part of the Coal Board Pension Fund. Mm. And the, 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 the Competition and Markets Authority have fined this drugs company and Sinven £100 million because they were basically forcing up the price of drugs to the NHS 6,000% over give or take a decade. And then get this, the most despicable, the most immoral thing that they did was actually they were being paid by another drugs company not to sell drugs to Mm. the NHS because therefore the first drugs company could charge a higher price because there was no competition. So they were literally being paid in order to boost the profits of another company charging the taxpayer through the NHS even more money. I mean, I mean I that think should be a, an offence more than no, just a fine. Well, I think it is. And actually, I'm not going to let this lie down. I'm going to, uh, I'm going to actually write to Kwasi Kwarteng mm. to see whether or not the directors should be disqualified yeah. as being directors or suspended. I'm going to write to the Financial Conduct Authority to see whether or not actually Sinven, a private equity group, should be authorised and regulated. Mm. Because I think this is such immoral, such despicable behaviour. Well, it's behavior. taxpayers' money they're basically it's ripping off. It's taxpayers' money it? they're trying to rip off. Yeah. And look, I'm in favour of, of the private sector and free markets, but it has there has to be a a line of moral responsibility. Mm. Uh, because if you're watching, by the way, on TV, the tweet has just gone up. So uh, the headline uh, from Alex Brummer's commentary piece: not just venal, but immoral and a betrayal of patience. And that's entirely. And it's correct. a fantastic piece. Yeah. I urge everybody uh, to read it in the uh, in this morning's Daily Mail. Um, but no, you know, you know, people have. We have to set examples where people, frankly, uh, when they take the Mickey mm. and when they rip off taxpayers, that is that is crossing the line, yes. particularly when it's involved with the NHS and people's health. Because that'll be the next thing. If this vaccination lark becomes something which the government suggests we do on a regular basis, then the price will go up immediately, won't it? Because these companies have only been uh, sort of nice to us, if you like, because they knew there was going to be such a mass rollout. That exactly. Make and and this is the thing. And this is the thin end of the wedge and the rollout of the booster programme. And, you know, yes, AstraZeneca are doing their vaccine at cost, which is fantastic during the crisis. But at some point, it won't, the stay, like the cost, it won't it? stay like that. No. And so it all changes. Mm. And, you know, you look at, for example, Moderna, their share prices, not surprisingly, soared over the last 18 months. So, you know, follow the money. Think about this very, very carefully. And, you know, there needs to be a proper democratic debate and discussion across the nation so everybody understands yeah. what's going on. And my bet on. is, as well, if there is a booster plan for the for the autumn, a lot of people will just say, no thanks, because I think people have been misled. They've been, um, they feel like they've been led astray. They feel as though they were promised something and then not given it. So they'll go, really? Why should I get a booster? Maybe I won't bother. Correct, because we were promised that there would be freedom. Yeah. You know, we all remember Matt Hancock. Remember him? Yes. Uh, the bloke who sadly. said, once we're sadly... Do you know, once... I was in a restaurant yesterday, and the guy who owns the restaurant said to me, you know, there's only one person, if he ever came to my restaurant, that I would refuse to serve, and it's Matt Hancock. Well, there you other, are. He said, even if Boris came, he said he could come and sit down. But really? if Matt Hancock came here, I, I think would chase being, him down I the think street. he's being generous. Yeah. But... 
Um, but, but, you know, seriously, you know, the ministers, they said cry freedom when the over 70s and the vulnerable were vaccinated. Yeah. Then it was over 50s. Mm. Then it was all adults. Right. You know, it never ends. Well, I saw a Mail on Sunday, page one from December that somebody sent me. Um, and it said 15 million jabs to freedom. Right. We've had about 50 million. 50 plus yeah, and counting. Exactly. And, and it was meant to all be over by the end of February. And I think you're right. I think that uh, confidence is slipping in this process. And so if they, you know, when they do this booster programme, I think the take up will be much, much less. Mm. Uh, and I think people will be really, really cautious. And look, we've seen the reality is that, yes, the great news is vaccines mercifully reduce the severity of, of those that suffer badly mm. with COVID, reduces hospitalizations and deaths. But we know it doesn't uh, stop transmission. Mm. We know it doesn't stop you being infected with it. Um, so you then say, well, hang on. So, yes, take it to reduce the risk, but it's not the total answer. No. So, but so we why do we need know, vaccine passports? Yeah, but also what we know now about the hospitalisation figures is that a quarter of them, we believe, according to a report on Telegraph this morning, uh, are people who went into hospital for a different reason, were tested positive for COVID and then counted. Now, that doesn't mean a lot now, but as one of Julia's guests said this morning, that means back in January, when there was yeah. like 34,000 people in hospital, more than 8,000, possibly 9,000 of them were in for something completely different. But the, And the truth is that many of us knew that back yeah. then, but we weren't allowed to talk about no. it. The NHS, I think they knew that data yes. back then, but I don't. I think they were terrified mm. about releasing it. Well, the one and place this suppression you know. of, of vitally important information... Uh, you know, I think is 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 one of the horrors of this yeah, crisis. Absolutely, and also one of the horrors. One of the most um, positive places to get COVID was hospital. You know, forget about restaurants and bars and nightclubs yep. and football matches and tennis matches. You know, it was hospitals. Yeah, no, I, I think actually that figure of twenty five percent in many cases may well be an un underestimate uh, because yeah. we heard this time and time again, uh, where people went into hospital for a completely unrelated uh, treatment or illness or you know leg breaking or whatever. Um, and ended up with uh, with a positive yeah. test. So, yeah, you know, this is... Um, it, the thing is, follow the data. The Prime Minister kept saying it's data, not mm. dates. Well, that's why we need the data. Yeah. We need to know the data, for example, Mike. What's the average age of all these cases at the moment? Right. Actually, if it's... And I think it is anecdotally young people. In a sense, that actually should give reassurance mm. to the population mm. that it's the young getting... We know that the young don't suffer from this virus anything like as badly. They might get a sniffle, they might yeah. get flu... In, and, and as doctors say to me, it's actually better for young people to get the natural antibodies uh, than to be essentially yeah. coerced into having manufactured antibodies. So you know, I, I do think that the data is really, mm. really important. And the government, there's so much more that they could give confidence to the nation by releasing more data yeah. um, and, and give more self-belief. But instead, they do it very selectively, in a sense, to perpetuate that state of yes. fear that Laura Dodsworth talked about. And wouldn't it be good if we had opportunities to ask the government questions because then we could have press briefings. But of course, the people that go to those press briefings don't ask the right questions, unfortunately. Richard, stay with us for a moment. We're with Richard Tice, uh, head of the Reform UK party. This is Talk Radio across the UK, online, on DAB+, and on the Talk Radio app. The Independent Republic of Mike Gray. On Talk Radio. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham, right here on Talk Radio, which is now, of course, available on television. All you've got to do is go to the App Store, get Talk Radio TV, uh, or look at talkradio.tv. Richard Tice is with me now. Now, if I read this to you uh, as a relatively intelligent individual, uh, you could, I'm sure, tell me what it means. Roots must join together. Isolated stretches of good provision are of little value. 
I mean, it's like a jumbled up number of words all just put in any, put them right. in any order. You'll have to keep going. Um, purely cosmetic alterations should be avoided. <laughs> we, I mean, I'm not are, just talking about talk- my makeup. I was about to say. <laughs> How about this one? Cyclists must be separated from volume traffic, both at junctions and on the stretches of road between them. And do they refer to uh, the new e-scooter users as well? Uh, there's no mention of e-scooters, funnily enough. But what I can tell you is the new highway code has been changed to make it more friendly to pedestrians and cyclists. So basically, if you drive a car, you're right. now far, so far down the pecking order of road users that they're not interested in anything you want to, t- want to tell them. And it now says that, you, that you, you may not be employed by the government to design any kind of road system unless you're a cyclist. Good heavens. Well, I am a cyclist, but um, what, I, what I will say is that uh, you probably shouldn't employ me to write the highway code because I will admit on air that it did take me not one, not two, not three, but four times yes. to pass the driving test. So well, I'm probably than, not the person to talk to. My father, who came out of the RAF in the, after the Second World War, decided to learn how to drive, went for one test and failed and then refused to drive again. Just said, that's it for me. What, he bought himself a so, chauffeur. So no, well, my mother was the chauffeur. We used to drive all over Europe in Austin, Cambridge without seatbelts, um, you know, all the way through France, Italy. We used to go camping in Venice, uh, or Lido di Esolo, and he never drove. Well, I mean, lucky him. But what's wrong with the existing highway code? I mean, it's, you know, it seems to work. What's the problem? Well, well here's what they've constantly... now done. What they've now done, right, is they've made it possible for people to believe that as pedestrians, they have the right of way over cars. Now, this is going to create carnage, because what they're going to do is they're going to walk out in front of you when you're driving, expecting you to stop. So that's actually going to be far more dangerous yeah. and more pedestrians will therefore be injured yeah, of course. Or, or tragically even killed yeah. as opposed to relying on a zebra crossing, which mm. is where pedestrians should cross. Right. And they talk about not having confusing sort of... Um, here's another one. Routes must feel direct, logical and be intuitively understandable by all road users. They've clearly never driven across Blackfriars Bridge. So I don't know if you've seen <laughs> that, but I mean, there's so many lights on it when you're there at night. That you literally start having sort of well, I think that's attack right. of the vapours. And whether it's in cities or in the countryside, you know, the place is just so littered with signposts yeah. and signage that you actually end up just switching off looking mm. at all this stuff. Yeah. So, you know, the, the, the local authorities spend an absolute fortune putting all this signage up um, and then people give up reading it. It's just too much. And yeah. if, you, if you kept reading the signage, you wouldn't be concentrating on the road and you'd be more likely to have an accident. I mean, we talk about cyclists all the time and I've got no problem with people cycling at all. But the way that they've really deconstructed the road system in London in particular and put these cycle lanes in going one way and then they switch across the road and go yeah. the other way and you, nobody knows where they're going and there are now parts of London where you can't turn left to go to a road that you live in yeah. because there's a cycle lane between you and the next road and you're not allowed to cross it so how the hell are you supposed to get home? I mean it's it, it's complete madness it really is and it's just confusing everybody. I mean, you know, essentially you're going to need a, d- a degree fairly soon yeah. in order to be able to understand the highway code, in order to be able to understand how to drive through mm. uh, across roads that are, are sort of completely crisscrossed yeah. with, I mean, with I cycle lanes, with walking lanes, exactly. with e-scooter lanes. I mean, where does this end? Well, there, are, there, are, there have been several occasions, I would say, over the past year where I've been in a part of London that I don't normally drive in and I don't know what I'm supposed to do because there's like traffic light there and then there's a filter light there. And if I'm going straight on, I need to be in that lane there. And you're kind of, you're so confused that, you know, you kind of go, I've no idea. Well, you just want to get out of the car and walk, which is exactly what they want you to <laughs> which do. Which, of course, is what they want you to They're do. They're trying to make it impossible to this drive. Is, it's another form of coercion. It's it is. A, it's a bit like the vaccine and vaccine passports. Yeah. It's the government continuing uh, to coerce yeah. people. Uh, yeah, we can't actually particular... make you sell your car. We'll just no. make you not ever want to we'll, use it. We'll make it impossible to use. Mm. Uh, and uh, and that's what they're doing. So yeah, you're going to end up sort of walking everywhere and and then being confused as to getting when you're getting run over by a cyclist or an e-scooter. I mean, it's just 
You know, I, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. You know, yeah. the current system does seem to work pretty well. Now, I'll tell you what I haven't worked out yet, and maybe we can practice this later on this afternoon. Um, what happens if you step out in front of a cyclist? Do they have to stop? Well, there you are. Yeah? Now, now we're talking. Now we're talking. Uh, and, you get one of those signs like the one from the Tour de France. Yeah. And just take it all down. And, and, and who's insured? Because, of course, <laughs> cyclists are not insured. Of course not. So you get into a whole new... Uh, a whole new background. I mean, as if life wasn't confusing enough. It is. It is way too confusing. And that's it's, before you've been at the pub. And that, <laughs> God's sake! Where, where do we go with this? I, I don't mean, know. It's it's impossible, and it's only Friday. <laughs> well, listen. Have a great weekend. God knows what next week is going to bring. I mean, it literally seems to be getting crazier and crazier instead of more sensible. At some point, and maybe because it's August, and and people hopefully are going on holiday, staycationing. Uh, going around the corner, whatever, but maybe some sanity mm. uh, will start and some calm will start to settle mm. uh, as the politicians leave the madhouse of Westminster. Well, do you know, I'm looking forward to the first one that gets caught going abroad somewhere. I bet they none of them are because they'll all be going. All bit oh, uh, oh, I wouldn't believe there's that. Bound I mean, to be, know, there's bound very, to be somebody. There, there'll be loads of them. They're very good at saying one thing and doing, yeah. doing completely the opposite. Mm. So, uh, no, generally, actually, the country runs. It seems to run itself without politicians through August yes. quite well. You know, that's that's my, my recollection of yes. August. No, I think you're absolutely right. That's something to look forward to. See, Richard Tice always cheers me up when he comes in here, even if he brings champagne or not. He only brought it once. <laughs> I'd rather wish he'd brought it today. Anyway, uh, we'll see you soon. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Right now, though, let's talk, of course, uh, to our next guest, Paul Charles, Chief Executive of the PC Agency, travel consultancy firm, because the French have basically kicked off. They're telling us that um, the British quarantine rules and the Amber Plus um, levy is far too cautious, far too ridiculous and far too discriminatory. Uh, But we'll also find out whether or not uh, he's going to be telling us what is likely to be happening in the next few days and the next uh, week, because that's when the new rules are going to come out about new countries possibly being made greener or more amber or more red. Paul, a very good morning to you. Good morning, Mike. How are you? Yeah, very well indeed. Um, we're still kind of struggling here, aren't we, a bit? You know, we're sort of one step forward, two steps back at the moment, it seems, with the travel business. We've had Americans being told they can come here, um, but a lot of them are not sure because the CDC still tells them not to travel to Britain. People from Europe can now come here. I was in a taxi yesterday driving through central London. It looked as though there were more tourists around than I've seen for a while. Yes, and uh, my office is in Regent Street, and it was very, very busy, I must say, compared with how it looked for most of 2020. Yes. Definitely uh, flight bookings are picking up. There are more tourists and business visitors coming into the UK already, uh, even ahead of Monday's change in, in government policy. But it is going to be bumpy. We've known for some time it's going to be a lumpy, bumpy summer for travelling, and this is why if you are going abroad, you need to really do your research mm. and find out what the restrictions are both going into the country you're going to, but also, of course, coming back based on whether that country is green, red or amber. But, of course, the difficulty with doing your research, Paul, is that you do your research, you book your holiday and then everything changes. Yes, that's a good point. So, so, you know, you can can only do so much research without being able to have a crystal ball. It's true. And also, I think the uh, Transport Secretary was being a little bit naive in some of his interviews this morning. Uh, Surely not a minister being naive. But yes, um, when when he basically said that uh, it was dangerous to have speculation about countries going on green, amber or red. I mean, the problem is the government's created a traffic light system which has caused confusion, which has led to people being very confused and also led to people having to change their bookings at great cost. So the government's own policy has actually brought about great financial distress for a lot of people who've booked in good faith, 
like a Portugal holiday recently, for example, when it mm. was green, then the government moved it to amber at short notice and they had to fly back from Portugal. Right. So I'm afraid this traffic light system is completely lacking in credibility in the way the government have introduced it. And it's not how it should have been done. And also, it doesn't seem to have any great rhyme or reason to it. I mean, the French quite rightly are being very critical of the quarantining and the sort of amber plus uh, status that they were yeah. given. Because, in fact, um, the argument now seems to centre around an island very far away from France, which apparently Britain took a uh, um, reunion island, I think it's called, took notice <laughs> of because they've got a very high COVID rate and it's technically a French territory. So yeah. the French uh, mainland actually has fewer cases than we have. It does. I mean, the variants uh, have been going up a little bit in mainland France, but there's still no reason to put it onto this amber plus list, which mm. was created out of panic, of course, late on a Friday night recently by ministers that didn't even include the transport secretary who's responsible for this traffic light right. system. He wasn't at the meeting. So um, the, the ministers are all over the place, frankly, in the way that they're treating the travel sector and this traffic light system. Yeah. And it's got to change. If you look at America as an example, they let their fully jabbed citizens travel to most countries in the world. And all they have to do is take a pre-departure test in the country they're in before they fly back to the US. Right. They're then recommended to take a test on day three when they get back to the US, but they don't have to. The rules are much simpler, and that's why the American economy is firing at great guns compared with our travel economy, yes. which is still sluggish. A lot of people are asking the question, though, why are the US not reciprocating uh, with their travel entry system and they're not still allowing us to get on a plane to go to, go to New it's York? It's a good question. Good question. So put yourself in Joe Biden's shoes. I'd rather he's, not. He's got an economy. Pretty big <laughs> shoes. He's got an he trips up the stairs. He's got an economy that is growing really fast at uh, seven, eight percent. He's got no pressure from the US airlines because their domestic flights are pretty full and they're returning to profitability. So they're really happy. And of course, uh, he's seen Delta variant increase and infections increase. He still wants to improve his vaccine rollout. So there's no immediate pressure on him to open those borders to Europeans or to the UK. And I don't see that really opening much before September. Mm. So I'm afraid August is a bit of a washout in terms of anyone wanting to go to the US. Although, of course, there are more British people who are laundering their status in other countries. Yes. So, for example, they're going to a Caribbean island. If they can afford it, they're spending two weeks there. Then they're going into the US because yeah. they won't been in the UK in the previous 14 days. Yes. Well, I was looking at doing that myself because you can go to Mexico and do it for two weeks. But it just, yeah. unfortunately, it's a very expensive way of going to see my parents, my mother rather, in America. Uh, and it also yeah. means I would have to take off about three or four weeks from work because I then have to quarantine again when I got back, probably. So it's all, a, it's all a bit tricky. So what are you expecting next week, Paul? Because I know it's difficult to predict what's likely to happen. But from the, the noises coming out of Grant Shapps this morning as he was doing his various interviews, it doesn't sound as though much is going to change for the better well i mean we've got another week to go and a lot can change as you know i mean in spain the cases actually are declining they're flatlining and declining so i'd be very surprised if spain is added to this amber plus category i think france will come off the amber plus category due to the diplomatic power the diplomatic mm. uh, concerns that are going on and the amber plus category itself i think may be moved to the back shelf and changed and quietly forgotten about um but you will see some greens because there are declining cases in in various countries poland's a good example um italy is a good example mm. where actually they should go green i think you may see some reds move to amber as the government relaxes a little bit especially 
the Middle East, mm. where there's a great deal of concern that Dubai, Doha, Abu Dhabi have not opened up. Right. So I think they might be moved to amber, but with some conditions, mm. such as if you transit through, you'll still be in red. But if you come direct from those places, you'll be in amber. And then um, let's see what happens with Greece, very much under the spotlight at the moment with cases rising in the Greek islands. Mm. But um, yeah, we may we may just see a strengthening of the amber and, and advice not to travel unless you really need to. Yeah. But um, it's tough during August because clearly what's happening is that cases are rising as more people are mixing. But increasing cases doesn't mean increasing hospitalizations, of course. No, of course it doesn't. And I mean, Grant Shapps actually told one interview this morning um, that one out of three people who are sent home uh, to self-isolate uh, has later caught COVID. And as people have pointed out, well, how would he know that? He can't possibly know that. So he's basically now making stuff up on the hoof. Well, I'm afraid I don't believe most of the figures coming out of government. <laughs> they issue figures that suit their argument on that particular day. But when put under the microscope, they're simply not uh, relevant or mm. they're out of date. And yeah. actually, a lot of test and trace data coming out of the NHS is showing that there are no variants coming in from amber or green right. countries in right. positive so um, I, I, as always, the fear factor is ratcheted up or down, depending on the government policy that week. Yes, exactly right. And one of the questions I get asked quite a lot at the moment, Paul, is, is with regard to places like Italy, where we understand they've got a sort of vaccine passport system for going into restaurants and bars and that kind of thing. What happens if you go there as a tourist from here? You know, what do you get asked to provide? It's a good question, Mike, because actually last night Italy confirmed they're extending the five-day quarantine on UK visitors. Oh, really? So uh, sadly, from it was due to run out today, yeah. and extended it until August the thirtieth. So anyone. Oh, so even get, if they go green, you've got to quarantine there anyway. Absolutely. So uh, if you had a villa booked, maybe which a lot of people do in mm. August for Italy, especially government ministers who like to go to Chianti Shire, yes, as it's Tuscany. <laughs> They, um, they would have to quarantine for five days. Mm. So a lot of people don't want to do that. And I think Italy may lose market share. But in terms of the point about um, the, the passports, the domestic passport, this isn't just Italy, but also France and Portugal is yeah. about to introduce this, where you will have to show and prove that you've been fully jabbed to get into certain places like restaurants, bars, yeah. uh, hotels, etc. So um, I think what's becoming clear is that across Europe, that vaccine passport is becoming more common and prominent. Mm. Therefore, it's an incentive for anyone in the UK to get fully jabbed if they want access to places abroad. Well, it's not really much fun if you go on holiday and you can't actually go anywhere. Uh, and all you can, no. you can't even, I mean, in some cases, not even into a supermarket, right? Yeah, I mean, they're, they're pretty strict rules that are coming in now. But what we need is consistency. Uh, I don't think anyone's got too many issues with some of the rules, as long as they're consistent and right. they're the same across Europe or across the UK. We need governments to be working much more closely together to create a seamless process. Yeah. Otherwise, we're putting up with these ups and downs, in, outs, off, on rules yeah. for another year. And, and it's and exhausting. No it's just frankly exhausting. I mean, every time anybody mentions holidays to me now, I just kind of go, no, please, enough already. I can't even yeah. think about it anymore. Well, Paul, well, That's listen... why the UK is doing so well and staycations are booming. And obviously the, our economy here is good, but we still need inbound visitors and we still need access yeah. to go out overseas. Well, you say we're doing well, but some of us are being driven insane, you know because we can't go anywhere. But anyway, yeah. Paul, thanks very much indeed. Paul Charles, Chief Executive of the PC Agency Travel Consultancy Firm. It's not great news, is it? As ever, we are still in this kind of limbo situation where you can't really go anywhere. And if you can go anywhere, uh, you can't do much when you get there. And in some cases, you can't do anything when you get there.
I mean, when's it going to end? When is it going to end? Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. And time to welcome Sean Bailey. I don't think I've ever had you in the studio on my show. Maybe once before, I think, in the old studio downstairs. I think that's correct. Um, that but correct. now you're joining the team, so that's great news. Welcome. Thank um, you. Thank and, you. And uh, thank you for coming in today to, to talk to us. Tell us what you're doing next week. So I'll be doing the early morning breakfast show, so you'll hear the immortal words. It's early breakfast with me, Sean Bailey. I'm right. looking forward to it. Yes. So let's see it goes. And you get to do a handover with Julie Hartley Brewer, which that- is always exciting. It's always great to see Julia, so let's see how that goes as well. Yeah, I'm sure it'll be brilliant. Absolutely fantastic. Now, a couple of things to talk to you about. Let's kick it off first off, off, because we've got a few calls coming in on it, on this highway code business, right? Because London and the streets of London are very congested. I mean, I was in a cab yesterday, and I was very happy to see, as we sort of meandered our way through Westminster, a lot more tourists around. It seems like Mm. London's getting a bit Mm. busier. A lot more people in, in the parks, in Green Park, St James's Park. But sometimes trying to navigate the roads in this in this city now because of your uh, good mate Sadiq Khan, um, it's a nightmare. You know, there's 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 a bus lane over here, there's a cycle lane over there, there's a traffic light for them but not for you. I mean, it's like you've got to have a degree in mathematics to get across town. You're completely right. I think actually, if you want to make the road safer, we need to look again at the layout of the mm. road. I think that's the single most important thing. And when you look at this 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 proposal from Grant. What what what's confused me? I thought it already was the way. I thought if you were in a car, it mm. was on you to look out for cyclists. Yes, and and I and for me that's how I drive. Mm. I spend all my time making sure I don't hit cyclists right. or pedestrians because obviously the harm caused. I think that the, the little room that we need to look at. If we're going to make changes to the highway code, it's two important things. Firstly, most pedestrians will never read that document. No. They won't. So we need to figure out how do they get the information. Mm. And secondly, we must make sure that we don't cause a conflict 
in in that document and a change in the rules must be handled very subtly mm. yes because i think there's actually quite a lot of education that you could be giving people maybe in schools maybe you teach kids in school actually what the rules of the road are because i mean i see quite often now for example when you come up to a roundabout uh, or a junction and the people are sitting there without knowing who's got the right of way and they sit there and they sit there for so long that in the end you just go and but, I'm like, look, you guys should be going before. But, but, but that's about that. It's two things. Just talk about school first. So I'm of the correct vintage to remember the Green Cross Code. Mm. And we got taught to cross the road in school. Because, right. of course, most teenagers, most people who get wounded on the road, actually teenagers yeah. after school. Right. So actually it's probably more important than, than we might think. Yeah. When it comes to um, people's right away at roundabouts, it's slightly confusing. Mm. It, it needs to be taught properly in the driving test. The driving test now, I think, is better than it's ever been. Is it? Yeah. But maybe it's quite, they, it's quite a theoretical test now yeah, as well, isn't it? Which I think is usual. I mean, I passed my test ages ago mm. when I used to open the book. What's this? What's that? Right. Where you go? But now you have to do the video test and all the rest of that. Right. I think again, if you want to improve safety on the streets, that's probably where you should start. Yeah. Are people getting information? Is the test the correct test? Yes. But also, if you consider what it was like, I mean, I'm a little bit older than you. When I used to go to school, you know, I used to take the tra- the tube, and then a bus sometimes. And that was about it. You had taxis, you had cars, you had vans. Now you've got pedestrians, you've got skateboarders, you've got people on those weird things with one wheel, you know, that go down the road and it looks, you know, there's guys on segways, there's people on e-scooters, there's bikes, there's electric bikes. I mean, there's all manner of different forms of transport going on. I mean, I've seen some of these new bikes, you know, with the long boxes for delivering yeah, stuff yeah. and people on penny farthings. I mean, it's, not, it's, it's, it's <laughs> like a circus out there. Do you know but, what I mean? But, but, that, but that actually is why Grant Chaps is in the right. He's basically saying, look, the world looks very different yeah. now and I'm going to try to change the rules to respond to that. And there's some sense in that. But I still go back to the personal thing. If you're a pedestrian, it really doesn't matter what it says in, in the highway code. What really matters is physics. Mm. If you step out in front of a car, you're going to get hurt. Yeah. And I think one of the things we could do as a nation, not just when it comes across in the road but in everything dealing with covid jabs our own children whatever it is is take a little bit more personal responsibility Mm. that is normally the thing that keeps you safest of all yeah now let's talk a bit about the cabinet and grant shafts because you know all over the papers this week has been this vaccine passport story a lot of people who are what i would call traditional conservatives um have said to me you know what is going on with the conservative party they're doing things which aren't very conservative boris johnson seems to have one agenda and it's all about being green and that's part of this whole kind of um you know transport thing with the with the highway code you know the only thing he really seems to have bought into is this idea that he wants to make everybody use less energy you know be more kind of green in in what they do we had allegra stratton the other day telling you to wash you know stop washing your plates before you put them in the dishwasher you know what is going on inside the conservative party are they becoming less conservative I'd say two things. You can separate these things out. So the green agenda, I think they're correct. Let's mm. be clear. There's a great be- There's a great future for us in that, all the technologies. There's a way that we have to run our country to want to add to the global warming. So I think they're correct about that. When you talk about not being conservative, I think actually this government has done a fairly good job in responding to the pandemic. It's been, it has been unprecedented. And here's the thing I say to everyone. If you don't want to take a vaccine or, or, or wear a mask, well, that's fine. But remember, we have a country with a national health service. So if you're real, we all have to cover the bill, which I believe gives the government the right to say, actually, play ball. Because you not you won't be sick on your own. You'll make somebody else mm. sick. And also, we'll have to pay that bill. But when it comes to COVID, that's not always true, is it? Because just because you don't wear a mask doesn't mean you're going to get sick. Just because you don't have a vaccine doesn't mean you're going to get sick. Yeah, you but know, also... It might, you might get you sick. Mi- but that's a problem. But you might get sick anyway. Yeah, but if you're in a government, you can't... You, it's, there's 67 million. 
thinking of us here, you have to make a rule that kind of works for everyone. That's how our democracy works. And the point is, like for me, for instance, I'm very low risk when it comes to COVID. Mm, right. But I could make someone ill who is very high risk. Yes. And the NHS would have to deal with both of us. So the government has to take all of that into account. But at the beginning, the word was that we protect those vulnerable people that you don't want to make ill. For example, mm. if it's your grandmother or your grandfather mm. or an elderly relative of one kind or another. And so they could protect them. But now they've kind of extended that to everyone. Now, I'm very happy to protect the vulnerable because I think that's a good thing to do. And it's a, it's a very it's a sort of noble thing to do. You don't want to deliberately make people ill. But equally, people have got freedom and people have got rights which have been taken off them. And they need them back. And I think you have to balance those two things, don't you? you look, you're completely right. It is about balance. And, and the problem is... Will I make someone ill? Have I? Make, you know, you, you, you can't know that. And the government has to make a big sweeping plan for everyone. And let's be clear, they've got some things right, some things with the benefit of hindsight you would have yeah. tweaked. But I, I'm not worried about our freedoms because we have a democracy. If we truly believe our freedoms are under attack, we have something we can do about that. And I still believe at the core of the Conservatives is Conservatives. Because remember, all the way along, the government's had to fight who? conservative MPs mm. there is still that voice in there saying actually uh, a free nation the way that Britain looks is this way and that voice is still yes. there but there's a lot of Tory backbenchers who are going to vote against Covid passports if they want to bring them in though and so you know it's not a universal belief across the entire party yeah, you, you, you that, make that, my point yeah, for me you make that, my that, point and, and I, I mean if only we knew what the Labour Party thought you know we might be able to say well actually Covid passports probably not going to happen because Labour's going to vote against them but that was last week because Keir Starmer said last week they weren't going to vote for them this week he's saying they might but that's, that, that shows the bigger problem, doesn't it? The Labour Party have been on attack. That's their job. We, we all get it. But they've had no coherent attack. And all they've ever done, really, is go the opposite way mm. from, from the government, which is added to the confusion. So I've often thought it's a cheek that they say the public's confused when they are the yes. major group well, of people. Well, it's worse than confusion. that, isn't it? Because, because they, they, they sort of agree with the government, but then they kind of don't like the way they've done it. And they go, yeah, but we would have done the same thing. And you go, so you agree then? Well, no. Because we would have done it differently. But, but this, I think, we'll look back on this period of time and we'll say, yeah, there's lots of things we could have done differently. But I think the Labour Party will have to have a long, hard look at who they are. Because to be in opposition is important to the country. You need a good opposition yeah. to move the country forward, but you don't need a belligerent opposition. You know, and to keep making the same point as the government, but say you're not agreeing, they're taking the public for fools. Mm. We, we're not idiots. We, we, can, we can see what's going on. Yeah, exactly right. I mean, my fear is that uh, Sadiq Khan, who obviously has ambitions in that direction, wants to be the next leader of the Labour Party. And in fact, he was polling higher uh, recently than um, than old Keir Starmer was. And he and Andy Burnham seem to be the two front runners as to who would take over next. Do you think that could happen? I think it's a great possibility. Mm. I mean, let, let's be clear. I remember I, I had I had a hand in the last mayoral election. You I, came I, very close, by I, the way. I was present. With I got thing. a call. I couldn't believe it, right? The day of the count, I got a call from somebody who was down at the count, down in Stratford, I think it was, uh, or Canary Wharf or somewhere, saying, um, Sean Bailey's in the lead. I went, what? I was, I was in the pub. I was like, blimey. You know, I was like, we send somebody down there straight that, that, away. That's all ancient history. We know what happened there. But a friend of mine who's one of the best political analysts in the country said to me, the person in the universe happiest about your outcome will be Andy Burnham. Because mm. it shows everybody that Sadiq Khan isn't the, the golden boy anymore. Yeah. He's no longer Teflon. And it shows that actually the public are starting to have a harsher look at him. 
So I think that the both of them are in the running, but I'd argue that Andy Burnham is quite a, a way ahead because, yeah. quite frankly, he's a nicer guy. Well, also very vulnerable, I would say, Sadiq Khan at the moment on a couple of things. One, the way the police uh, are operating in the city, because even though not everybody knows it, he's got quite a big hand in how the police operates in London, hasn't he? Has a, he's, he's a police and crime commissioner yeah. for London. He has significantly more than a big hand. He has the moral duty, the statutory duty and the money. He's budgetary control. So, yes, he, he has a big thing. Look, I would argue that the police in London have, have tried their best mm. and they continue to get better. But their problem has always been Sadiq Khan because he's never provided leadership at any opportunity he can throw them under the bus, he will. Mm. And, of course, the Labour MPs, the Dawn Butlers of this world, have done everything they can mm. to attack the police force, and service, excuse me. And what that's done, it's made the streets of London more dangerous than they've ever been. Yeah, absolutely right. Now, a piece of The Guardian this morning about a report by the Home Affairs Committee, which I wanted to raise with you. I don't know if you had a chance to see the actual report, but according to this piece, uh, it says the police and governments, in plural that is, have done too little to stamp out racial injustice in the ranks of the police force with the failings. They're calling the failing systemic. I don't think they're saying it's, you know, it's racist, racially systemically problematic. But but what, what do you make of this? Look, this report is by the Home Affairs Committee, very hard-hitting report, very big committee, and they use words like, you know, continued persistent disparity, you know, that can't be justified. And there is some room that they are correct, just just be clear, but I, there's two things I'd say. Firstly, if you look over the 22-year period plus since the McPherson report, the police hadn't done enough, but in the last four or five years, they've really increased the pace. Mm. And I think as press, politicians and public, we need to keep the pressure on them to continue to increase that pace because they have a hard job to answer. Yeah. And I'd go and say, we all need this to happen. This isn't just an issue for black police officers. This is an issue for the whole country because why I'm proud of being British is that we are fair Minded. My granddad always used to say this to me. They're a fair-minded mm. bunch. We are fair-minded. And how the police operate and look is an important expression of that. That's why this report is important. That's why I hope the police get on top of it. And I think the people that are very critical of the police should look around the world and see just how good our police force is. And I know that we will occasionally give them a hard time. We will get them uh, on and sometimes say they've got things wrong and they've maybe had more problems in management than they have actually on the, yeah. on the front line. But, you know, you look at other countries in Europe and you don't want to be uh, having those kind of police forces like the one in France, the one in Spain. I mean, these people will crack heads at the <laughs> beginning of any kind of demonstration and just get the batons out and start beating people up. America, people get shot every single day. Mm -hmm. You know, I know the George Floyd case was highlighted, but, you know, that goes on a lot in America. And it's not just black people who get shot. They shoot everyone, yeah. you know. The, the thing about our police force, particularly the, the MPS, they are the most scrutinised police forces, services rather, in the world. Mm. That is a material fact. And largely they respond to that and we have to tread that fine line of supporting them but also being a critical friend I think that's a really important an important line to tread because what we don't want is to rob our police services of authority mm. we sometimes saw it in the riots where the police were nervous to go in because right. they knew they were going to get tried in the press and destroyed by, by certain politicians so they stepped back that makes everybody unsafe mm. we must say to ourselves our police service sometimes have to wade in and we should support them in that. But we also reserve the right to say, look, enough or move in a different direction. And that's a problem we've had in mm. London. That lack of leadership has left the police all at sea and it affects morale and it affects safety. And it must affect probably recruitment as well. Yeah. Sean, stay with us. We're going to take a short break here. Sean Bailey's here. Uh, he's going to be in this chair uh, come early next week, Monday and Tuesday, early breakfast. Uh, it's going to be great to listen to. Uh, it's going to be a different perspective on, uh, on the world because that's what we do here at Talk Radio. This is Talk Radio across the UK. UK, online, on DAB+, and on the Talk Radio app. The Independent Republic of Mike Graves. 
on Talk Radio. Welcome back to the Independent Republican, Mike Graham, right here on Talk Radio. Also Talk Radio TV, of course. Sean Bailey's here. Um, we've been enjoying chatting away about a great many things. Sean's in next week, um, in for James Max on the early breakfast from five o'clock. That'll be a bit of a struggle getting up that early, or are you one of these early risers? I can get up. It's not a problem for me. Really? Yeah. And what about the actual show? Because, I mean, you've been a guest on Talk Radio a lot. You, you, you're familiar with the media. I mean, I mean, when I, I came from newspapers when I first got into radio, and, and it took me quite a long time to, to feel like comfortable doing it. You know, now I feel absolutely, you know, happy to talk for hours and hours on end. But I mean, you're all sort of natural, aren't you? I hope so. And, and Monday we'll all find out. Think so. Monday we'll all find out, no, won't we? You know it's still I mean. Monday. Suddenly the light goes on, and you go. <gasps> You need sort of sharp intake of breath, but you know there's a great team here. You'll be very well looked after, so uh, so I'm looking I mean, forward to it. I'm I'm looking forward to it too, and it's an opportunity to you know me. I love to speak to people, love to hear their experiences, and I want to hear what's happening to people outside. So what you'll see with me, I'll constantly ask people to take me on take on the government take on their neighbours whatever yeah. issue you have we'll have it on early breakfast and I'm happy yes. to talk about it well it's on. interesting that you said about the green agenda because you know up to a point I think some people are, are, are with mm. you on that but other mm. people are saying well I don't mind going more green as long as it doesn't cost me any money you know, for example, when you get Allegra Stratton talking about things like, uh, oh, well, well, nobody's going to be making you change your boiler over in the next 10 years. But at some point in the future, that will happen. That's fine. As long as it ain't going to cost me another 10 grand to get a new boiler and some new underfloor heating pads or something, you know. But this is a challenge for people. If you're sat at home now and you're, you're, you're dyed in the wall greeny, you believe in it. I think where, where the green agenda, green people have failed, they haven't brought people along. And every time you hear the words green, mm. you have a worry that it's going to cost you. And, and, and unless we can remove that, I don't think people will join in. It's going to be important because some of it will cost. Mm. But I think you have to demonstrate the benefits. And right just now, it's too much about how naughty we are. Mm. It's too much about we haven't invested enough. Yes. I think people need to talk about the benefits of it. And also, yeah, I mean, people talk about, I mean, those who believe it and are all, you know, all over the social media this, this past week saying, oh, look at the floods, you know, that's all down to global warming. It's all down to climate change. Nobody really knows if that's true. And the problem is I think the government haven't been very good at proving one thing is connected to the I other. I think, think the government is probably, they end up probably sat there thinking it's not our job to prove that. I, I'd say this though, we've had floods before. Yeah. We've had floods before, we've had all sorts before. I mean, I'd... before they put the Thames barrier up, where I live, down in Rotherhithe, right, um, there's a pub there that's got a water, high watermark on the side of the bar because the, the, the street used to flood every single year when there was no Thames barrier to stop it happening. And this is a challenge, isn't it? If you, Again, if you want to promote the green issues, I think you have to be mindful that you tell people the, the truth. Mm. You, don't, you don't always look for the monster under the bed. Because I spoke to a guy who said to me, well, of course, we've had floods before. How comes that wasn't about global mm. warming? And I, I tried to get into it with him, but I could kind of see his point. If you always say it's because of this, there's a certain section of people who simply won't believe you mm. because you're not demonstrating the truth. Right, exactly right. And, and, you know, a lot of people, and I would say I'm probably one of them, would say, look, if you want me to buy an electric car, you've got to make them a bit cheaper. You know, ordinary people can't afford to spend £45,000 on they're, a Tesla. Listen, electric cars, I, I think, are going to be a big challenge. First off, they're way, way, way too expensive. Mm. Your average your average British person is not interested no. to spend that money Somebody told me the other day, there's a Vauxhall, I think it's a Corsa, which you can buy a petrol version, fifteen grand. The electric version is twenty five. And more importantly, uh, if you're like me and you have two children, you, you've got to have to buy a slightly bigger car, which makes it even bigger expense. So they haven't solved that. And of course, 
there's other deeper issues. The chemicals and the batteries mm. are absolutely horrible. Yeah, and the mining, and, 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 for them, and the yeah. mining that's being done exactly. in Africa is horrendous. It's right, and of course uh, we've heard stories of slave labour, strip mining, all kinds of things. So I think sometimes we're sold this, you know, it's the big idea. But if you dig a little bit deeper, is it really? Yeah. And these are all the issues that people need to solve if they're going to get the bulk yeah, of people interested right. in the green agenda. And I think one of the other things that I would like to see, and many people that talk to me on this show would like to see, is the kind of deconstruction of this kind of almost binary politics that we've got that you're either you know pro-Brexit or you're against it or you're pro-green or you're against it you know we need a bit more nuance I think don't we? Uh, listen one of the reasons I'm desperate to do the breakfast show is because I believe that's who I am as a person mm. I've always been able to take on other people's views and agree to disagree or, or bargain mm. and the way we set up politics now and, and I would say this I think Labour um, MPs have been particularly guilty of this you're in or you're out yeah. you're either the solution or the problem mm. but what that means is we can't solve big complicated issues as a nation which will destroy us mm. i believe in time we'll look back at this period of, of, of political and public discourse and say wow they lost their minds mm. there and the other thing as well it leaves us open to interference by outside nations yeah. if you see what happened after the england football match with all the trading around racism and mm. all the rest of that a lot of that was written by people from outside mm. of the conversation and i literally mean from different nations yeah. as well trying to cause instability here mm. and the reason it works is because we don't have the ability to have a nuanced conversation Right. I think that's really important that we do that. Yeah, great stuff. Well, I look forward to Monday morning. I can't promise to be with you at five, but I'll promise to get, get up you, by five thirty. You're going to miss out. Anybody five thirty. Anybody who isn't there is going to be missing out on London's best conversation. In fact, the country's yeah, best well, conversation. Yeah, well, they call it the world's best conversation. There Sean Bailey's going to be here 5 uh, o'clock on uh, Monday morning and Tuesday morning. It's going to be a great show. Uh, I'm going to be listening to it and watching it, in fact, on talkradio.tv because it's the only place to be. The home of common sense, uh, the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. It's 12.49. It's Friday. And it's time for this. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Perrier Awards. <laughs> we've got some lights now as well. We have, we've got Very strobe good. lights in the studio. Strobe lights in the studio, it's all happening. <laughs> Well, we missed it last week because you weren't here. I know. What I happened apologize. last week? Well, I've got I've got a boat to deal I with see. now, Mike. See, this so. is what's going to happen now. This boat is going to take <laughs> over your life, isn't it? It really is. It's mm. already starting to cause a few problems. Uh, where is anyway. it now? Uh, I don't really want to say. Okay. <laughs> no, uh, it's Castle. Well, you don't have Park. to give me the, the oh, absolute oh, oh, location. I've done it, I've done it just now. Said it. <laughs> I've dropped a pin. Oops. There we go. <laughs> well, it's not like somebody's going to nick it, are they? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> You're not going to make a fast getaway in a canal boat, are you? No, two point five miles an hour. Walk quicker. <laughs> yeah, you can. You know. <laughs> yeah, you can. Anyway, welcome. Thank you. Welcome. Uh, this is the Perry Awards, where we look back on the so-called Independent Republic of Mike Graham and choose so our cool. favourite moments. Why have you got everybody's picture, by the way, on that uh, new backdrop? Uh, I, well, it, it was. What's uh, all? Some communist regime you've got. Now, <laughs> everybody gets equal credit. Well, I yeah, it's, it's right. nice to okay. get the, the rest of the team right. I was not consulted, I just oh. want to say that. And neither was I consulted about the Grimace with Graham thing either. No, Starting no. Starting to get a bit annoyed about all this. Oh, dear. Well, maybe <laughs> we're trying to tell you something, maybe, Mike. Maybe, maybe. Um, so, following tradition, the first Perry Awards goes to you for much. the exaggeration of the week. It makes sense for Tesco's to offer a million... Uh, oh, it's a million, sorry. That's a bit much, isn't it? A thousand... <laughs> I think I'd go and get a job there if they were going to give a million quid. Uh, honestly, sign on bonus. Where, yeah, where can we sign well, up? Well, exactly. Wow. Mm. It would, I mean, imagine a million pounds. I just know. To, you know. 
Quite handy for the weekend. It would be. Um, so the next award goes to yourself as well for the pronunciation of the week. For people travelling from the U, 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 can't say, the EU. <laughs> EU, Jimmy, as I used to say. Yeah, I don't know what happened there. <laughs> so it's a case of tongue too big for mouth. <laughs> well, you know, you got it out eventually. I did. Uh, so, uh, political extraordinaire Peter Cardwell stood in for James Max on the early breakfast show the, um, last weekend. Uh, there was an obscure noise he heard uh, when talking to a caller. This is a visual period for the sound effect of the week. Nikki was making a very serious point and I was listening to her but there was a cow that mooed in the background so I'm afraid I was struggling not to laugh when the cow went moo very good moo that yeah well do you done. want to try I do a good moo my kids have always enjoyed it they're a bit old for it now though oh really well we do that thing you know I don't know if you don't if you do know do this thing because you haven't got kids but you know if we're driving past you don't it, know I've not uh, well I don't well you didn't you've never told me you have <laughs> Tied up in the boat currently. Um, you drive past the field of cows and you just start mooing. Yeah. You can... And everybody, the dog likes it as well. Oh, He's quite cute. Oh, Ziggy Stardust. Yeah, he likes it. Oh, bless him. Mm. Well, you'll have to when we go on it. When we go on tour, if we get to go on tour yes. at some point, you'll have to show us your mooing skills. I will Mike, be more than but... happy. Yeah, oh. <laughs> I do other animal noises as well. Oh, can you do a chicken? Uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> What else do you want? Dog bark? Well, you don't want to do them all at once. All oh, right, okay. It out. Yeah, yeah, that's for sake. That's true. Keep the suspense. <laughs> that's that's true. So drive time. Tra- sorry, dr- dr- I know. Get my words mm. mixed up now. Uh, drive time presenter Patrick Chrissy's gets a perrier for the one line out of the week. Uh, also, uh, a quarter of Britons haven't been hugged for more than a year. Ah, didums. Oh, I know. I hate hugging. Do you? Yeah. I was going to offer, offer to give you one. What happened? <laughs> Do you want to rephrase that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a hug he's looking for, Christie's, for God's sake. Shocking, that, isn't it? It really is. It really I is. I can attest to the fact that Kevin O'Sullivan is one of the grumpiest people I've ever I've ever known. But you, but you love him for of it. Of course. Absolutely. Yes. Mm. I, and I think I think he's inside. He's a teddy bear. Oh, he's it? a very nice man. He yeah, is absolutely. He Just is. ask his wife. <laughs> uh, so over to one to four, uh, where Ian Collins gets a visual perrier for knocking the mic. Amazing, and then suddenly, out of nowhere, sort of out of nowhere, this same discussion <laughs> is <laughs> never fails to amuse. That does no. it? I mean, I do it myself, so I can't throw any stones but hey do you just misjudge how far the mic is no, I think away sometimes or... you just you're not thinking you know, yeah. you know you don't expect it to hit it you know and you know if i wave my arms about a bit sometimes mm. you can do it you know well it's a good job it doesn't swing one yes way. i know absolutely right <laughs> oh gosh uh so back to the independent republic for the thursday club mm. now sorry to tell you mike we have a new star of the show oh, yes. uh, in the form of a four-legged friend so this is the visual perrier for the pantomime act of the mm. week so this well this is lovely it's really nice I could drink a whole bottle of that (laughs) it's Um, from the south you're not going to believe this but the cat is behind you now what am I I, right. mean, no, I missed it. No. He, I missed the it. cat it's was. Not, see, now you're just messing with my head. I, you? <laughs> see, I still haven't. Seen, I mean, I've seen it now. Now I've seen it. But you need to see I it need in to the flesh. See it live in you, order to believe it. Right. See, okay. Because, so I'll have to check on Thursday. Oh well, yes. Because yes. I mean, yeah, somebody could have just put that on there. They could have. I to mean, be there's fair. some very clever people here yeah. in the video department. Do you think we're playing tricks with well, you? Well, I'm slightly concerned. You're trying to drive me insane. <laughs> you know. Well, maybe. Uh, so, uh, this is the wrong namer of the week. Well done, Mike. Thank you. Statistics with Jamie Jackson. Remember, right here, uh, it's the only place to find out. Jamie Jenkins, I should say. Yeah. Uh, this is the only place. <laughs>
That's right. There yes. is a Jamie Jackson. I used to talk to him as well. That's why oh, I got you? confused. Yeah, uh, he writes for the Guardian actually. Okay. He used to be their Manchester football correspondent. Oh. I think he still is. Okay. I had him on the show actually. Ah, recent. Nice well, bloke. Not, not recently. Uh, not that recently. He wrote a novel and we had him on. Oh, okay. Mm. Well, maybe we should reach out to him we at should. some point. Okay. Jamie Jackson, if you're listening. There you go. There we sure go. Uh, so, Patrick Christie's gets a Perrier Award uh, for the wrong timing of the week. Helping me. Right. Uh, I'm, I'm midway through a barbecue at the moment. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I'm, I'm, master, I'm master chef, so uh, you've caught me a little bit on, uh, on, on the oof. On the oof. Uh, on the oof, yeah. Is that something you cook at a barbecue? <laughs> on the oof. Well, I wouldn't know, seeing as though the accent's going in 50 years. Oh, yeah, of course, yeah. Oh, you were dear. disappointed we didn't do that I story, weren't you? I was gutted, yeah. Well, never mind. We'll have another go at it, maybe. We will do, mm. we will. Uh, and finally, we have a last-minute entry. Last-minute entry, yes. Uh, Charlotte Fisher, the uh, fabulous newsreader who's pretty much sat outside, well done, Charlotte. Uh, makes herself into the Perry Awards. I think this is the first time ever, so well done, Charlotte. Looking at the weather, Storm Everts will bring very unsettled weather sh- showers. <laughs> <laughs> it's always a good one, that, it isn't it? It is always a good one. So we've got one. to look out for that later. Yes, that yes. That sort of weather can be quite problematic. <laughs> Absolutely. Bring your rain, Max. Problematic. Even. Problematic, problematic. Yeah. That is all for the Perry Awards. There will be more. With the uh, with the windscreen wipers. Sorry. Oh, <laughs> yes, that's true. Yeah. Bring your jet wash, everybody. Exactly. Uh, more, that's all for the Perry Awards. There'll be more next week. Well done. The Perrier Awards on Talk Radio. Talk Radio across the UK, online, on DAB and on your smart speaker. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. If you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday, on Talk Radio via DAB online or via the Talk Radio app. And if you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us on 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. Mid-morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.